Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. We love movies with Gordon Hayden. This film blew me away. So that's against the rules, and you can't sit with us. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Hasta la vista, baby. And the winner is... We Love Movies with Gordon Hayden. Spin. Hello and welcome along to this week's We Love Movies film reviews. This week we will be taking a look at The Grey Man starring Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans and what other big films are set for release this summer and into the autumn. Well, we'll be telling you and it's all on this week's We Love Movies. We Love Movies with Gordon Hayden on Spin. You are listening to We Love Movies. I'm Gordon Hayden and joining me as always is Olivia Fahey, Andy McCarroll and Chris Wasser. Guys, great to have your company as always. And a big thanks to Andy for presenting last week's show. Much appreciated. We're going to kick off this week's programme with a roundup of some of the big movie stories this week. And Olivia, I was shocked by this story and I wanted to do a bit of digging because I thought this can't be true. But it seems like it might be true in that Army Hammer, who at one stage was a, a hugely promising uh, leading man, had uh, came on the scene in the social network playing the Winklevoss, the, the Winklevoss twins. And then he he's like he's had ups and downs, like Lone Ranger not being a particularly great uh, screen credit. But nonetheless, you can understand why he would have taken it on. Call Me By Your Name being one of the his big highlights in terms of performances. And then his personal life, just seemed to get completely out of control. Some horrific stories emerged in the press um, about sexual misconduct. And there was also sexual assault uh, allegations as well. And there was almost this cannibalistic fetishes that he, it was claimed that he also had as too. Uh, Horrendous stuff was coming through. And of course he lost favor in Hollywood big time, dropped by his agents um, uh, fired from numerous projects, one of which was the Paramount Plus series about the making of The Godfather, The Offer. Miles Teller ended up replacing him. And so he, he's he gone to ground, but it looks like he has materialised again, but in the most unlikeliest of settings, it seems, Olivia. Yeah, so <laughs> he's been spotted um, working at the Cayman Islands, uh, basically holiday resort office where he's selling time shares to people and if that sounds unbelievable like the photos that TMZ got their hands on like it's it, it certainly appears to be him and when they investigated whether or not it was him after he was spotted in June uh, going in they were like he looks like he works there and his rep apparently said oh no, no no he has a friend who works there it's not him but now it clearly is him and they just didn't want to say anything about it like like what a fall from grace you go from being like a super Hollywood actor like I even interviewed him for the film Rebecca which went on to Netflix just before all of this went down and literally since that moment like we haven't really heard anything from him like not just from the moment that he talked to me but (laughs) since the film came out that was kind of like his last big thing and then now he's selling timeshares for essentially what was it like two thousand dollars a week or something like that so it's uh oh it's it's just wild this just doesn't compute with me andy because this guy would have been on huge money and he was also an heir supposedly isn't he to a, like a, an oil tycoon like how come he's ended up in the cayman island selling timeshare yeah, before we start, I'm just scared to talk to Olivia now because if the last person she spoke to has fallen that far from grace, like how low am I going to go if I'm after <laughs> being on this now? 
You'll be but selling like, timeshare and Bray. That's what's going to happen to you. <laughs> like should be an upsell for me at this point. Housing <laughs> <laughs> prices in Bray are fairly good. I'll be making a decent <laughs> living now. But yeah, I mean, like his family are the heir to the, the Arm and Hammer, the, the baking soda dynasty. And they've also got uh, their various tentacles, as rich people do, into the, the oil business as well. So his family are, are billionaires. Apparently, Chris was saying just before we started there that he kind of renounced his fortune because he didn't want a safety net when he went into acting. Bet he wishes he has that safety net now. But even if you look back through his like his previous roles, like this is a guy who was getting, you know, a couple of million quid a film, like that Rebecca movie, you know, the Netflix dollars he'd say were throwing at him for that. Death on the Nile was a huge ensemble cast. Like how to go in the space of a year from you know being paid millions to you know trying to get a, a weekly salary from a hotel in the Cayman Islands. Something else must be going on behind the scenes. And just the more that comes out about this story, you know, there's the cannibalism involved as well in the middle of it. It just keeps getting more and more bizarre. He's like him and Ezra Miller having a competition to see who can come out with the most insane story every week. We should also point out as well, Chris, that Army Hammer is still innocent until proven guilty. Like at the moment that he, he hasn't appeared before a judge or anything like that. Uh, that's true. And I'm not sure how, where the allegations ended with him. Uh, were there any charges pressed? Uh, you know, stuff like that. But at the same time, I do believe the, 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 the victims and I think everyone else does. And, and it's not as though, I mean, he did put out a statement, uh, you know, vehemently denying everything that was being said against him. But, you know, you had uh, agent dropping him. You had the manager. You had uh, the, the, the last few projects that he was in. Um, I'm not sure. There, there was some there was some drama that he was in. Uh, there was the Kenneth Branagh one. Uh, obviously, he was then dropped from the Marry Me film with Jennifer Lopez. He was dropped from the Godfather series. But I'm not sure if there's anything left dangling that we're still, you know, that, we're, that he's still supposed to be involved in. But everything that, that, that came out came out very quietly. I mean, there, was, there wasn't even any press done for death on the Nile, and that was a huge ensemble piece um so i i, I think you know the 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 silence there and the fact that everyone has dropped them, you know, says that everyone, you know, is in the same position. Everyone actually does believe the victims. And it is a, 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 an outrageous fall from grace. And, and, and as Andy was talking about there, and as you mentioned as well, I find it very hard to believe when Hollywood stars come out who, you know, have been on these, you know, just humongous salaries. Where has all of your money gone? Is it a case that you were living it up large? Did you have a lifestyle like the one that Depp has, like the one that Cage has? Does, does it cost a fortune? every time you get up out of bed until you go back to bed that day like what are your daily what are your daily spending habits like i just find it so hard to believe that he has gone absolutely broke yeah for those that are just joining us we're just uh, talking about how uh, the actor army Hauer from the, the movie such as call me by your name and the social network is now selling timeshare in the cayman islands but we will move on um olivia for a long time i was really hoping that we were going to get a proper sequel to the first RoboCop movie, which was amazing, the the, the Paul Verhoeven film. And granted, there was a there was a couple of sequels that came out. You got the Irvin Kirshner uh, follow up, which I didn't think was great. And the third film was completely utterly forgettable. And then they had a horrendous TV series. And then they did this, you know, this this pointless remake, uh, which had Gary Oldman and Samuel L. Jackson in. But there's there's talk of uh, of Peter Weller returning as RoboCop. Now, please don't get me. Am I getting my hopes up here that this is going to be the proper? Robocop 2, like the way we've seen of late with the likes of the Halloween series where they've started this new sequel uh, franchise and that they're calling it the this is the, the proper sequel series. It, are we getting something like that? Or don't tell me this is going to be some sort of horrendous car commercial or something like that. So it's actually probably the, the latter end of the scale there, I'm afraid. It's uh, for a new video game, Robocop Rogue City. So while he, of course, 
made his name more like mostly becoming Robocop. He's kind of like stepped away from it a little bit in the past few years, but now he's returning and he's even allowing them to use his likeness and his voice to play the the role of Alex Murphy again. So it's going to be interesting to see now how they sort of balance it all because of course, like he's he's aged a little bit since <laughs> since we knew him as Robocop. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what way they're going to balance all that out. Are they going to have him aged up or what what way is it going to go down we, we just don't know so it's uh yeah like he he previously did lend his voice to robocop in gosh was it mortal kombat i want to say yes mortal kombat let's go with that that sounds about right <laughs> um, but he's now like but he's going to have actually like his um his face and everything involved in this so it's uh being developed by the group who did terminator resistance uh, 10 so they they tend to make pretty good games so it could be interesting but yeah so it's not necessarily he's returning to the role in a cinematic sense it is you know in uh, in video game format well from, I mean, a few years ago neil blomkamp who made the likes of district nine and his career's kind of been a bit spotty since that amazing breakthrough film but uh, he was due to direct uh, robocop returns which was going to see an awful lot of the the behind the scenes team minus paul verhoven return and i thought oh brilliant that that sounds great but no that, that, that doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon andy just two things there one for 75 peter weller looks fantastic <laughs> and two gordon you of all people robocop 2 is a classic Oh, Robocop no. 2 is fantastic. Oh, no, Andy. J- d- d- no, I can't. And it's directed by Irvin Kirshner and it's written by Frank Miller, which, you know, you two stalwarts. I, I couldn't. Oh, Andy, I can't. I would argue as good as the original. The oh, new- Jesus, it's Andy. It's fantastic. No. It is B-movie gold. Like, Andy, don't I pretend like the microphone first- right now, I do it. I do it. <laughs> well, as we all know from experience on this show, Andy is usually wrong about these things, so... Oh, my God. Um, I'm going to move on quickly here. And uh, James Cameron, Andy. So there's talk that he might not direct the final Avatar films. Be lucky if he directs his second film. We're still waiting on it to come out. Um, So we we know that there's other films waiting in the wings, essentially, because has he directed or or has he done most of the the um, the mocap recording of actors for the third film? Like, what's the state of play with all these sequels? Yeah, he seems to have pretty much completed parts two and three. So he's just touching up the, the last ones. But he says he might not do the fourth one. He might pass this on. But it just goes to show the kind of the sway he has. The fact he can make two films back to back with this budget, be confident enough they're going to be released and be a success, and that he can pass on you know parts four and five to somebody else. I... Um, I will be shocked if all of these get made. Like Avatar is we kind of make the joke about it. It's the most forgettable movie that, you know, became the biggest movie of all time. And uh, two completely unmemorable characters like Jeanine and Cretion in the film. And like the fact that you believe that they were the names of the characters just goes to show how little anybody actually cares about these films. And who's going to take over from that? Like if these, there's kind of like a poison chalice in that way. Like if these two films are successful, Who's going to want to step into James Cameron's shoes and take over from that franchise? Because if these like come out and are you know the biggest films of all time, it's a very daunting task to step in because you don't want to be the one that fumbled the ball in the Avatar movies. I wonder is he just putting it out now that then we mightn't get these sequels and that we might be just getting a trilogy, and just this is just a way to kind of you know, almost like just try and extract himself now from the. Uh, from the what the four or five films that he was set to make, mm. um, but I just want to move on to another um, final story, and we'll return to more movie news a little later on. But Chris, I don't know if you saw the trailer for Clerks Three. 
Now, I loved the first Clerks movie when it came out and it, it came out at a time in the 90s where director power had returned and and at the time Miramax was the studio and of course another person who's had a ma- massive fall from Grace Harvey Weinstein um, but he, he was a champion of, of young independent filmmakers like Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez and Kevin Smith and they owe an awful lot to, to him and their careers. Kevin Smith, oh, his career, like I like him as a person and some of his early work I liked but there's been so much rubbish that he's after churning out. And I thought he was in for an interesting gear change in his career with Red State. Not the greatest of horror movies, but it had an interesting theme at at play, like, you know, people blindly following orders. But he's after releasing a trailer for Clerks 3. And I can honestly say to you, it looks as shonky as it gets. I thought, how has he been allowed to make this? And presumably with his own money. Have you had a chance to see this trailer? I haven't actually. No, I was too distracted this week by the uh, the the monsters trailer, uh, uh, courtesy of a text from 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 our friend Andy here, um, and that has put me in a state of shock for for, for most of the week. For Rob Zombie but, film, I, uh, I, you yeah. know, I saw a teaser for that, and that looked shockingly bad. Yeah, and it's uh, it's this there, there's this sort of uh, uh, Matrix Four conversation uh, that has started around it, which is that it is intentionally bad. You know, it's supposed to look ropey. It's supposed to you know be all you know. It's supposed to be sort of recapturing the 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 amateurish magic of the original series. I, I'm calling BS on that. Uh, but it looks it, like somebody it, went to a school disco, didn't tell you what you were doing, <laughs> and then took out a box of wigs from deals. Went here, make uh, spin the wheel here. The monsters. <laughs> <laughs> But it is funny because I think, you know, we mentioned Kevin Smith there uh, and, and Clerks Tree. I think the only person that was asking for a Clerks Tree was indeed Kevin Smith. And I I think Kevin Smith, you know, he seems like an okay dude. And I know that doesn't sound like a great compliment, but what I, he's he's very good at talking. And, you know, some of the stories that he has, particularly, you know, you could waste hour after hour watching uh, Kevin Smith talk about, you know, the Superman Nick Cage film that was never made and his stories about that because he, del- he you know, delivered the original screenplay, although the film was never made. He, he's, he's very, you know, he's very good entertainment value. When it comes to actually making films, the guy's a bit of a charlatan, you know, like he's never like, I, and I know, I think, I, I think at least one person on our team here thinks that Chasing Amy is a fantastic film. It is not. It really isn't. Oh, no, I disagree. That's probably me. Uh, well, I, do like, <laughs> I do like Chasing Amy. I think after the, off the back of Mallrats, which was a bit, a bit of a, you know, a bit of a low point uh, from, from Clerks. I thought Chasing Amy had buckets of charm and a real heartbreaking ending. Am I, am I honestly on my own here? I really like Chase Amy. If you watch it now, it's a bit kind of cringe, but I'll go one better. I will be the lone voice on this podcast that stands up for Jersey Girl. And I will think that is an absolutely fantastic and a criminally underrated film that got caught up in the whole Benefer thing. Despite the fact she's in it for about 30 seconds, it's a very, very touching film. One of Ben Affleck's best performance and George Carlin is absolutely spectacular in it. And Gordon, you're going to hit that mute button again, aren't you? <laughs> Actually, what I will say about New Jersey, I'll say about uh, New Jersey, Jersey Girl, um, there are some great ideas in that film, but I just love, um, is this Jersey Girl? It's the first 15 minutes where Ben Affleck is is basically bad mouth Will Smith and then ends up having no career. Um, yeah, that sequence hasn't, hasn't aged quite as well. I just think you know he's he's a good ideas man he really is you know you could if you know if you said to kevin smith i need you know uh, an idea for a comic book film i need an idea for horror i need an idea for you know a sweet sentimental drama he could go into the room and come out with a synopsis uh, for you know a plot synopsis that you would love to see on film but you it, to, it in order for it to be actually you know watchable and funny and charming you need to give it to a proper filmmaker so mm. i think and i know that sounds bad you know a lot of people do like this guy he 
he's a great storyteller, just not, you know, when it comes to actually putting that story on film. Oh, yeah. Clerks three. Um, Olivia, Andy, just very quickly before we move on, because I, I want to get uh, the review for the gray man out there. Um, did you guys see the trailer for Clerks three? Yeah, I, I, I didn't actually, but it's ahead. it's also one of those things. I've never actually been a big fan of Clerks. Where's that mute? <laughs> Andy, and what did you think of the trailer for Clerks three? I really liked I thought Clerks 2 was absolutely fantastic. And I, I like that this is kind of his, you know, before Sunrise, before Sunset films kind of bookend and like Clerks' his first film. Clerks 2 was kind of like his midlife crisis film. And then this one is, you know, his near-death experience film after having his heart attack. I, I really liked it. Clerks 2 was good against all odds. I'm holding out hope for this, but the last, what, four or five films he's made have been absolutely unwatchable. So hopefully going back to characters that he knows and a, a story that he knows will be a return to form but you know based on that Jay and Bob reboot I'm not holding on a hell of a lot of hope yeah I'd be in your camp on that one Andy um, we're now going to park the, all the, the movie news and we're going to move on to a, a film which is playing in select cinemas this weekend it is one of the big releases before it hits Netflix next uh, weekend and that is The Grey Man starring Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans before we chat about it here is a clip what do you know about the Sierra program Reckless mystery men you guys send in when you can officially send anyone else. The gray man. Lloyd. They got an urgent locate and destroy. That could be fun. The man's got some street cred. And have something they really want. What's your gut? It's gonna be my funeral you're going to next. You wanna make an omelet? You gotta kill some people. You must be Lloyd. What gave it away? The trash dash. It just, it leans Lloyd. So there is a little bit from The Grey Man, which is playing in select cinemas this weekend. If you have a Netflix subscription, and you'll be able to watch it at home from uh, next weekend. But in the meantime, we're going to give you our thoughts on it. So Chris, um, what's going on here with the plot? Because it looks like we've got two feuding espionage style agents here. Uh, Ryan Gosling looks like he's in the good corner and then Chris Evans looks like some sort of psychopath who's on a mission to take him down. That's pretty much it, Gordon. And, you know, Chris Evans is playing the, the villain type here. And we know straight away that he's a villain because of, you know, the, the you know, and I, I, I love a good polo shirt, but the polo shirts here are just gaudy on him. And he's also got this, you know, funny mustache. Actually, the grey man somehow manages to take an awful lot of, you know, handsome actors and, 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 and put some very dodgy facial hair on them. But we'll come back to that. Story-wise... Gosling is this, you know, when we first meet him, uh, you know, we're, we're in the year 2003. He's meeting with Billy Bob uh, Thornton, CIA, you know, authority figure. And, you know, we know that Gosling is a criminal. We know he's kind of facing this lengthy jail sentence. And Billy Bob's uh, CIA agent tells him, listen, we can commute your sentence if you come work for us. What exactly is he going to do for the CIA? Well, he might become a gray man. He might become a guy with no identity uh, and no real future other than, you know, assassinating people and going on these very dangerous missions and not asking too many questions about it. We then cut to the present day and on his latest mission in Bangkok, uh, Gosling's character, who is just known as Six, you know, again, again, he's this, you know, covert operator. He's a black ops mercenary. He is uh, hired to take down somebody in Bangkok. It all goes a little bit sideways and during the mission 
he learns something a little bit shady about the guy that he was taking down, but also acquires, you know, the MacGuffin of the piece, this, you know, uh, chip, which, you know, if he inserts into his computer, will throw up all sorts of, you know, uh, interesting revelations about the people he's working for. And because he knows too much, you know, it's that classic spy story trait, he then, ha- uh, you know, spends the rest of the film on the run, while the CAA bring in, you know, their big nasty guns, which is uh, uh, where Chris Evans' Lloyd Hansen comes in, uh, and he's a total sociopath, he'll stop at nothing to get the job done and to be the winner uh they bring him in to essentially chase ryan gosling around the world so we've got gosling versus evans and also anna de Armas as a psychic for a spy basically playing a similar sort of character as we saw her in the last james bond film so that's the basic setup the gray man i, I don't know there's something about this film i just feel like it's, it's not gonna work I feel as though a lot of people have put far too much stock in the Russo brothers, uh, myself included, because, you know, at one stage, you know, after seeing the second Captain America film, I thought, well, that was damn good. You know, it's very different from the first one, which I loved. And I think they, they, they did a decent job on those films. But when it came, when it comes to, you know, the Avengers, the, the uh, Infinity War and Endgame, people didn't go see those films and people didn't come away saying, you know, they're very well put together because the Russos were in charge. The Russos on that film, you know, with the greatest of respect, when you go in as a director on, on a film like that, you know, or with, with a studio like Marvel, you are a glorified manager on that floor. And Kevin Feige is running that show. And if he doesn't like what he sees, he's going to change it. Um, so I think it's interesting coming into The Grey Man. And, and there are times in The Grey Man when, when you know, oh, these lads think they're still making a superhero film. Uh, when, when there is a bit of a, a Marvel hangover sometimes that's not a bad thing you know it is quite fun to see you know gosling i suppose you know for the first 10 minutes and 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 chris evans too running around the place as though they're invincible after a while it becomes a little bit annoying because you start to remember oh they're 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 humans so why how did he just survive crashing through that wall how is he running on top of that train and jumping into that car without a scratch on him it starts to get a little bit annoying um story-wise it's paper thin and that's fine if the action is fun, if there's characterization, if, you know, if, 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 if we're having as good a time as, as the actors appear to be having. But I never was. I found it all a little bit bland. I think for, you know, despite the fact that it's the most expensive Netflix film ever made, $200 million, and that's just to make it, not even market it. I, I, I never really did see that much money up on screen. I think it's it's a little bit, it's it's far too choppy in the editing department. Um, there's an awful lot of usage of drones in here and the drones, Gordon, are flying around the place like drunken pigeons. And some of the shots in this thing are just unintentionally hilarious. Um, I think it's, it is a bit of a glorified travelogue. It just basically goes from one country to the next without, you know, uh, any explanation in terms of like what's going on in the plot. And I just didn't really care for anyone and i think worst of all too like look i could go on for days and and i've and i only just watched this thing earlier today so probably this is a bit of a knee-jerk reaction uh but the dialogue is appalling you know people in this film are saying stuff like i don't care just make them dead or if you know if you want an omelet you gotta kill some people and i'm thinking the Russo brothers probably high-fived after writing this stuff. And it reminded me of what uh, Harrison Ford said on the original Star Wars film when he was shooting it to George Lucas. You know, you can write this crap, George, but you sure as hell can't say it. And that's the kind of problem with the Grey Man. So it doesn't really know what it is. It's trying to be a superhero film. It's a little bit shoddy looking, despite the fact that it costs $200 million. And I never really cared for the characters. And also one final point, I know I'm going off on one. If, now that's a very big if, uh, what it, uh, if if Reggie Re, 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 Jean Page and I apologize to Reggie Jean Page if I'm pronouncing oh, his name Reggae wrong. Jean, Reggae Jean, Reggae Jean Page. Page. I apologize if Reggae Jean Page of Bridgeton fame is to be the next Bond, then Bond is in trouble. 
Oh, does he get found out in this? Does he? Oh, he is. I mean, look, the guy is 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 very charming and he's incredibly handsome and he was perfect for Bridgerton. But he's bringing the same sort of charisma here that he brings to the advertisements where he's trying to, you know, sell his cars. And he is just, he's not very good here. I like Dana de Armas in it. That's about it. Uh, and he's about to get a lot of hate mail from all the British and stands now. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what? I might get myself in trouble for saying this as well, but any interview I've seen of him for the grey man, he strikes me as if he was a cat, he'd lick himself. Is that a bit, is that a bit harsh? I can kind of see where you're coming from with that. And I did actually, I had to mute myself because I cackled so loud <laughs> at the lick himself um, comment. But uh, like, I think, yeah, it depends on what direction they want to go with Bond in my uh, opinion but yeah there's a lot of people who I think men don't really like him women do but for all, both of them for like very different reasons so yeah wait and see I guess wait and see okay let's get scores out of 10 then for the grey man Chris what are we giving it uh, look we'll, we'll, we'll go with 4 out of 10 uh, as I said I just think we've we've put far too much stock in the Russos and Ryan Gosling doesn't really look that interested in what he's doing here um, look bring on Barbie Oh, bring up. I can't wait for Barbie. Well, we're going to do that is it for part one of We Love Movies. But coming up in the second half, we will be taking a look at some more movie news and we will be previewing more films which are set for release in the summer because I know there's still an awful lot uh, of people thinking, what else can we look forward to over the next few months and what other big films are set for release in the autumn? So that's all still to come on We Love Movies. We Love Movies with Gordon Hayden on Spin. You are very welcome back to We Love Movies. My name is Gordon Hayden. I'm joined by Chris Wasser, Andy McCarroll and Olivia Fahey. Olivia, uh, Top Gun Maverick still doing amazing business at the box office, even though I think the um, the journalists uh, who originally wrote the article that Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer saw, I think his family have a currently, uh, uh, they've got, they've, uh, legal proceedings because they feel they've missed out on some some uh, financial gain from this sequel. But one man who isn't going to lose any financial gain uh, by all accounts is Tom Cruise. He's set to make an absolute packet from this uh, uh, long delayed follow up. Yeah, so it actually looks like he could be banking in more than. Are you ready? One hundred million dollars, which is. Absolutely insane. And it's also like Top Gun has already become, or sorry, I should say Maverick has become like his just biggest hit in the world, like ever. Like the last time I think he made this much money was, ooh, I want to say might have even gone back to like War of the Worlds, like for his like domestic opening weekend kind of thing. So he, it's been a long time coming for him. And having, I was like late to the game with going to see the film myself. It is just as good as everybody says it is, even as someone who like wasn't as keen on Top Gun as many women <laughs> were, shall we say. But yeah, I I genuinely really enjoyed it. It's exactly what you you want it to be. It's supposed to be still a little bit kind of like stuck in the 80s, but, you know, with a modern twist, which I think they carried out pretty well. But yeah, that's a, that's a lot of coin that's going to go into his pocket um, with this one single film, which is insane. I enjoyed Top Gun Maverick, but I didn't come out of it going, oh, listen, that is just the bee's knees for the summer. I, I didn't. I, I was there with a friend of mine. I went, I, I, I don't I'm not feeling the love for it. I thought the action was incredible and fair play to the way they um, Joseph Kaczynski and the, the team shot those uh, um, uh, MIG sequences. But I, yeah, it didn't really do it for me. But I wonder, Andy, 
would we see a third Top Gun movie? It would be interesting to see. It's kind of a, a weird place now where Top Gun was the biggest movie of 1986 and now Top Gun Maverick is the biggest movie of 2022. It's actually overtaken Titanic for the biggest domestic opening that, or the biggest domestic movie that Paramount's ever had. Miles Teller was saying this week that he'd had discussions with Tom Cruise and it's very much the ball is in his court. I don't know. He's got the Mission Impossible franchise, and this was there was talk during the press tour. He was kind of trying to wind down, maybe on his action movie phase. I, I think we've seen that. You know, we had Jeremy Renner was supposed to be taking over the Mission Impossible franchise. That Tom Cruise, you know, famously had that moment on the set where he refused to shoot the scene where he was supposed to hand the scene hand the franchise to Jeremy Renner. Stormed off set and said, "I'm not going anywhere." And as well, he didn't. The next film's made a couple of billion, so I don't think he's going to be quite so ready to hand Miles Teller the baton to another franchise as much as Miles Teller might want to pick that up but again I, I wouldn't bet against them on this phase like if you were to say Top Gun the sequel 30 odd years on was going to be the biggest film of the year possibly the biggest film of his career I, I would have said no to that too so I think I've learned my lesson not to back against Tom Cruise but I would be surprised to see a third film there was another story as well this week. I don't know if you saw where Mickey Rourke was saying, um, oh, I'm paraphrasing here now, but uh, Tom Cruise isn't the big deal that people yeah. make him out to be. Yeah, Mickey Rourke's been hitting the head too many times in six I, boxing I, matches, I, I, I think. He was going, going on a bit of a rant, all right? <laughs> yeah, I, do, I think it's a little bit, um, I feel a little bit bad that the conversation turned towards, uh, you know, Mickey Rourke's appearance rather than the things that he was saying. But also that, like, I think also just to give him a bit of credit when he was saying Tom Cruise is irrelevant, but he then followed it up with, you know, he's irrelevant in Mickey Rourke's world because he was talking about the fact that, you know, Mickey Rourke wants to and has always tried to, you know, pick films where he'd be challenged as an actor. And to be fair, you know, Cruz is definitely irrelevant. No, Cruz is definitely relevant as a movie star, but it's been a while since he kind of challenged himself. American Maids, uh, re- uh, I'll pull that out for a second, but aside mm. from American Maids, he hasn't really challenged himself as an actor in quite a while. And I think that's true. I'd love to see him go back and try and do something in the vein of Magnolia because yeah. I just thought his performance in that when he is by his. Uh, father's bedside and he just lets it all out about how much he hates his father but yet loves his father if you haven't if, if anyone listening hasn't seen magnolia it's well worth a watch and um, it really is and um, just i'm more- still laughing at mickey rourke saying you know i uh, picked the roles that are challenging the last thing i saw him was with like was the ufc lad cowboy cerrone and the fellow who played lawnmower man where he's like you know a cia agent who's 900 years old well, that's very true. Like he is making some. Oh God, you wouldn't even call them bargain bin basement stuff. Like you know, you would like you wouldn't even bring a, a Mickey Rourke film to St. Vincent de Paul shop. You know what I mean? Like you'd be kind of going, like, who would want to buy that? You know what I mean? Like it's some of the stuff that he is making is horrendous. I don't know who's bankrolling it uh, at all. Like some of it is shocking, especially when you Carboy Cerrone. Like the, ah, listen. <laughs> Straight away, you know, you're in for in for a bit of trouble. Now, um, on a more of a darker uh, side here, uh, Kevin Spacey, um, he's currently on trial at the moment, Andy. He's in England. Now, he is pleading not guilty to um, charges that being put to him. So do, do these charges, there's, uh, again, these are, um, these are sexual assault allegations. Did they center around the time when he was involved with the old Vic Theatre? I think he was the, was he like the director or a creative director or something like that at the time? Yeah, he was the creative director of the, the old Vic Theatre in London. He's still living in London at the time. He's actually appealed to uh, to get what's called a non-conditional bail. So he's able to go and travel and able to work. They argue that he won't be able to, you know, adequately defend himself. He can't make a living. 
who is going to hire him when all this is going on. He's pleading not guilty to everything. He's you know, has still, this is, hasn't been formally charged. This is what we're going to wait. And it looks like it's going to go to trial early next year. But again, somebody who, like Army Hammer, nothing's been proved so far. He's, he's only, the charges are only starting now. But his career has been completely destroyed as well. So I'm not sure where this goes from here. Maybe next year he gets you know, acquitted of everything and he, he finds all those weird Johnny Depp fans on TikTok and he gets a, a second lease of life. But I, I don't think that's too likely. And I think it may be the last we've seen of Kevin Spacey in any sort of meaningful way on screen. Uh, just finally in our movie news, um, Taron Edgerton, we were talking about him off air and Chris, you were recommending Blackbird. And he recently said in an interview with Simon Mayo for the Kermode uh, Mayo uh, podcast that um, he doesn't that these rumors around him playing Wolverine are completely and utterly false. Um, and you know what? You think he he would make a great Wolverine? Um, but Ryan Gosling has also come out to say he wants to play Ghost Rider. Like, what do you think of the idea of Ryan Gosling and Taron Egerton possibly entering the Marvel fray? Does the Marvel world need an injection at the moment? Because it just seems like it's in a very strange phase. I know you guys were discussing phase five last week, but does it need fresh blood? We were talking about this last week, Gordon, and I think in terms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe requiring fresh blood, I'm not sure if that's going to be what will save it in the years after Endgame, you know, because it has gone a little bit stagnant. There is this kind of, you know, idea that, oh, we've, we, we, we did the biggest thing we could possibly do and now everything afterwards looks just, you know, minute next to it. And it does really. And Kevin Feige has said, no, there is a plan. Everything, you know, isn't just, you know, wishy-washy at the minute. We are going somewhere with this. I'm not quite sure. I mean, I will be watching the Comic-Con to see what the, the plan is, but I don't think bringing in, and, and I did come across an interesting piece during the week that suggested that, you know, the films now, if you watch the uh, end scene credits of the last couple of Marvel films, and I'm not going to say anything about Thor. We'll leave that for another few weeks. But in terms of Doctor Strange, in terms of Eternals, bringing in Harry Styles for all of 20 seconds, bringing in Charlie Theron at the end of Doctor Strange, what we're starting to see with the end credits are the introductions of new characters and new actors rather than, you know, a a, a story kind of teaser. It's 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 more about like, oh, look at this new superhero. You'll see them in their own in their own adventure somewhere down the line. Oh, look at this. And they're they're kind of it's a bit jarring how quickly they come and go at the very end of it. So I think, you know, it doesn't really have there's no real Real cohesion there like i don't really know what what they're doing and maybe feige's right maybe they are going somewhere with it i don't think putting a load of new x-men in there or you know if, if given ryan gosling his own ghostwriter film is the way to go i actually think a ryan gosling ghostwriter film oh god that would be a terrible idea I'm, I'm imagining something like the place beyond the pines except this time when he's on the bike he breaks in you know he bursts into flames that would just be i don't want to see that does anyone else want to see that yes Dot, 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 please. Um, no. The place behind the pines with Ryan Gosling as Ghostwriter sounds fantastic, Chris. No, we're just not going to agree today. <laughs> we, were, we were doing so well in terms of agreeing on films, we're not going to agree today. But you know what? Let's, uh, I want to do park our movie news roundup and kind of look ahead to films that are coming out this year because you'd be forgiven for thinking, what else is still to, to hit cinemas this summer? And uh, then just to look into the, the winter uh, because I know we've spoken about Avatar, Way of the Water. Like, we know that's coming out in December. But Olivia, is there much films of note that are still to hit cinemas in this month? Or really, is the cream of the crop once we get into the autumn? Yeah, it does definitely seem like when you hit September, that's when the kind of 
films we're actually like waiting to see are going to be coming back out again. So we've got um, Don't Worry Darling is probably top of my list in terms of September. Um, and I am saying that as a diehard like uh, Hocus Pocus fan, but <laughs> I'm going to go with, you know, my namesake, Olivia Wilde. You know, she has been proving herself as quite the talent as a director. And she has Don't Worry Darling coming out. It's a psychological thriller. Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, Chris Pine, Gemma Chan. It just looks so batshit crazy that I just can't wait to see what the actual hell it's about because I am still not really sure. All right. Don't worry, darling. That's of note. Chris, you had mentioned off air about Nope because we were chatting about Jordan Peele when we're hoping to see it. It's getting released in the States earlier, though, than uh, over this side of the world. Is it a week or two pre uh, early in, in the U.S.? Yeah, it's uh, it's coming out three weeks earlier in the US than it will arrive in the UK and Ireland uh, on, I think, the 12th of August. Yeah, so the 22nd of July is the release date for Nope in America. So we'll start actually seeing some reviews for it soon, which means we'll start seeing, you know, uh, 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 story spoilers come up for it. The best thing about a, Jordan, a new Jordan Peele com- uh, film coming out is that he somehow manages to keep, you know, the story under locks. All we know is that, you know, um, it's his new terror. Uh, it might involve some sort of extraterrestrial trash. Uh, it will definitely involve, you know, it definitely will be another socially conscious chiller and that it also reunites him with Daniel Kaluuya. Now, Kiki Palmer and the fantastic Stephen Young are in there too, but I'm really looking forward to seeing Daniel Kaluuya re- uh, reunite with Jordan Peele. Um, and apparently it's the reason him, uh, Kaluuya working on Nope is the, uh, is the reason why he couldn't actually fulfill his uh, duties in the Black Panther sequel. Ah, no, right. Basically just a, a production clash there. Um, so I'm kind of hoping that I, I, did, I did like us quite a lot. I know Andy wasn't too keen on it, but uh, what I will say is I hope Nope is more in the vein of Get Out than it is with us. I hope it has a slightly more cohesive story and that, you know, it's it's a little cleverer than than, than us was. One, us was absolutely terrible. And two, us was Chris, not absolutely I- terrible. It was. And I want your apology because when we the first trailer for Nope came out, I said this was aliens. And I said Nope's was going to stand for something like not of planet Earth. And you said, absolutely not. This has nothing to do with aliens. So I'll be taking some some humble pie off. You look, I've, I, look I've, I've, I've already been nice to you today by remembering some of the more memorable lines that you've come out with on this show. I'm, I, I will not be apologizing to you if it's not of planet Earth. <laughs> <laughs> now, could I, um, Annie, I'm sorry to kind of uh, hopefully put you in a bad mood now, but uh, Dwayne Johnson has a film coming out later this year. Black Adam. Yeah, the hierarchy of DC is going to change forever and ever. And uh, Yeah, apparently the bog standard superhero film based on the trailer is what he thinks is going to be the big shift. It, it, nothing, it, at no point has he talked about the story, has he talked about the comics, has he talked about the characters. If you watch every single interview for this, it's like, look at me in the shape I'm in. Look at the Iron Paradise. I My biceps are two inches bigger. I didn't wear a suit that had padding. Because this is, uh, it's all just physical and it's all just about him and it's going to make a billion dollars and I'm going to be absolutely disgusted. And I, I'll say it now, like, without even seeing the film, it's going to be a bog standard three star. Yeah, it was grand. The only kind of semi-interesting thing about this for me is Pierce Brosnan playing Dr. Fate. Everything else just looks like we've seen this a million times before and he's just got it into his head that there isn't a million other superhero films exactly like this. He's like, oh no, this is different. This guy's the bad guy. It's like In the trailer, we see you turning into the good guy already. So this isn't anything interesting or anything new. And we're going to be here in two years' time talking about Black Adam 2 and how he's going to fold into the DC universe. And I'm just going to die a slow and painful death looking at his stupid, stupid self-promoting face. 
<laughs> oh, Andy, listen, I won't let you endure the pain of uh, Dwayne Johnson any longer. But one superhero I'm really looking forward to seeing, but I'm not sure when it's going to get released, Olivia, and that is Shazam. Do we have any idea? Yes. Yeah, so Shazam was one of those ones that got uh, delayed and pushed back and then moved forward and then moved again. And it's just like, when, like, what, what are they asking? Um, so we've got Aquaman and The Flash got moved to next year and Shazam actually got moved up. So it is now being released. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's actually just the week of Christmas, December 21st, I want to say. So it's very much going to line up in and around the time of Avatar. Um, Avatar, Avatar 2 rather <laughs> not the first Avatar unless they're going to re-release that which who knows they might do that too um, but yeah we've, we've not really heard much about it aside from Helen Mirren um, kind of dropping a few spoilers here and there about you know how she's a villain and other people that are also going to be in it as villains and things like that so like aside from that we really don't have any trailer footage we've no like we've only got two official images so far so it's going to be I'm curious to see what they're doing, but also I'm worried that they haven't released anything yet. Mm. And finally, finally, Andy, Halloween ends. It better end because that Halloween kills was just nothing but filler. But I am worried because if anyone that saw Halloween kills, the film has a, it kind of, even though it has a sort of an ambiguous ending, I felt it was giving off supernatural vibes. And in the original sequel series, once Michael Myers started getting into this type, type of territory, I, I just sort of lost all interest in the character. I have a feeling that David Gordon Green is going to bring that back. So uh, one it's double barrel question here for you. I don't know if you're picking up on that. And what do you think or how do you see this uh, last in the series film playing out? Yeah, I was worried. It seemed like it was kind of setting up that whole it was the cult of Thorn from the, the mm. other films. And I've never seen, well, I have, a, a, such a massive drop-off. Like the Halloween 2018 was absolutely, I thought it was fantastic. I had no hope for it going into it at all, but it really, really surprised me. It was really well done and it really made Michael Myers scary again. And then they just completely undone it with Halloween Kills. It was absolutely ridiculous. It tried to bring back characters from the old films. They're kind of, well, this doesn't really fit into the timeline of this. And if I hear evil dies tonight one more time, I'm going to put my fist through my TV. I, it, what, uh, John Carver saying, oh, this is this film isn't kind of like this surprise. It's not like any of those. Like, well, it's going to be good because that last film was absolute garbage. And I'm really hoping they end this in a, an interesting way. And that says up more from the first film than they did from the second. And I'm hoping that they've learned the lessons and seen the backlash from the second one. Get away from all that supernatural nonsense, as you said, because everything that worked about the first film make that about the third film because that, that segment just undone every bit of goodwill I had towards it. So they'll have to work really, really hard for me to be sitting here happy that Halloween ends has finally ended. Oh, I'm, I don't have much hope for it now at all, I have to say. But that is our roundup of uh, some of the films that you, you might want to put on your radar um, for uh, for the rest of the year. As always, a big thanks to Olivia Fahey, Andy McCarroll, Chris Wasser. That is our lot for this week on Spin. We Love Movies returns next Sunday from 8. We'll chat to you then.